0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Good evening, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino. I'm the founder of Big Peach Running Company in Atlanta and the host of the Run ATL Podcast alongside. My co host D2 Dalamite, Dave Martinez, and this evening we are once again going to break one of those institutional rules of podcasting of not time or date stamping the broadcast because it is indeed mid June. We have come through and are continuing to work our way through the coronavirus pandemic in 2020 and alongside that, even more recently. We have had on the headlines the racial injustice and the challenges that have come alongside us in our country, elsewhere, and certainly in our own backyard. In fact, I will introduce you to some of my friends here this evening. But what is sad to me, very candidly speaking, and when I started reaching out to these friends of mine, it was the week of June 8th and we knew there was much to discuss. And at the same time, what I want to do was take a small piece of it, this lifestyle that we all embrace, quite frankly, that many of us love and serve. And in between making some of those initial phone calls and last Friday night, where right on our doorstep. This racial injustice comes to roots again, and we have even more to consider. We're not going to try to tackle all of those issues that are complex. For sure, this evening, what we are going to do, however, is take aim at what we do know, what we do love, and what we can do for the future in what we can control. Big Peace Running Company, our mission to grow to support and to enhance the pedestrian active lifestyle in and around Atlanta. For sure, as we've said, there is nothing but inclusion in that. And yet, at the same time, we know there is still work that can be done to open this lifestyle not just to others, but as an example to all of what it looks like when racial equity is on full display and when absolutely we find out that together, together all of us, we prosper. So with that, I'll introduce you to some friends of mine. First of all, right to my left, this is Mr. Ed Walton. He is the co-founder and the chief motivation officer. I love that, Ed. Of Black Men run founded here in Atlanta. Now with how many chapters around the globe?
1: We have fifty-five chapters across thirty-two states, London, Paris, and Japan.
0: So truly a global organization. I'm gonna let Ed tell us a little bit about Black Men. Run are gonna put some information on the screen, and what we'll do is we'll do all of the introductions and we're gonna dive into this topic and learn what it's like to be a recreational athlete or a business owner, a fitness enthusiast, a race director as a black man or woman, and we are going to get started with you, Ed. Tell us a little bit about Black Men Run and some of the things that were foundational. I believe you and your team started in 2012. Obviously, now, eight-plus years later, an organization, as you already said, around the globe, but more importantly, having tremendous impact. Give us some of the backstory and tell us what's going on with Black Men Run.
1: Well, Black Man Run was founded by myself and my co-founder, uh, Jason Russell, who also resides here in Atlanta, Georgia. He's the man. We have a call tonight, so he was able to make it. Uh, we actually founded Black Man Run officially in Grant Park. So this is the base of the organization. And we put it together. Uh, you know, for a few, for a few reasons, but the main thing was to bring a a, a shield or a standard or a, a banner so that African American may have a place to go out and, and exercise as well as take accountability for their their life and well-being. You know, uh, we're talking about you know healthcare, mental health, stress management, and it evolved past that, right? So we also look at uh, you know everything that can affect you know your ability to take care of yourself, career, uh, family, um, and we try to touch a little bit of everything. I think one of the misnomers is that we are a run club. We're not. We are a social network of influence. At the same place that you may want to post your runs, it's the same place that I post uh, a job opening at my company. So we hire, uh, we support businesses that's, you know, that do good in the community. And so uh, it has grown. It's, I've been told so many times that I can't believe it you know, this quickly. We've gotten to seven years officially on paper and then eight years in existence. Right? Wow. Uh, we still adhere to our mission. And our mission is based on three principles. That's MAC, M-A-C, which is moderation, accountability, and consistency. Right? If you do those things, you can build great habits or you can build bad habits. It's consistency to build a bad habit. Right? It is not something you do haphazardly. Um, we're still having fun. Uh, the brotherhood is still strong. The support mechanisms are still strong. The communities where are, we are involved. And uh, we're still having fun. So. That's
0: awesome. You guys are having fun. And for those who heard me mention on June 8th, we started trying to put this panel together. And the way I sent a note to Ed's organization is a story that I'm going to quickly retell because it had such a wonderful impact on me. This was before I was personally aware of Black Men Run to any large degree. And D2, I believe you were there. It was the hot land on half marathon one year when we were pioneering through the streets with our PACE teams. And as we did, we were coming through Georgia Tech before Bobby Dodd gets to North Avenue and for those of you in Atlanta you know when you take that right turn on North Avenue Mm -hmm. you get this monstrous climb at a not so perfectly placed location on the course as you get in the final three miles. Well as I'm coming through that particular intersection with everybody who is pacing behind me there's lots of groaning there is lots of falling apart and as everybody looks right My goodness, you thought it was over. Nobody wanted to climb that hill. Everybody was somewhat dejected, losing what they needed to finish that race really strong. That was some motivation. Almost out of nowhere is this group of spectators and other runners who were nearby us. And the camaraderie was so instantaneously, not just to the people that were in that group, but for anyone who was anywhere around them, that it was magnetic. And it literally changed Not just for me, my understanding of what Black Men Run was all about, but for that group, the sense of we'll never make it. We're falling off the back. Our pace time isn't going to happen. So, yes, we can do this. Mm -hmm. And you guys were unbelievable. You carried us up that hill all the way to the finish line. And we were total strangers. And it showed Mac. Mm-hmm. It showed what you were all about, and it's still to this day is one of my favorite stories of running a race and certainly being a pacer on that <laughs> race. <day>. So <laughs> thank you for that, and everything you do, I'm assuming it all is just like that, where it's as a group, and makes a difference.
1: And it's consistent across all our chapters. So you go there, you always feel welcome. Coming to the brotherhood, just you're to the mission statement, camaraderie, and no man left behind. We leave no one left behind. We do our group runs, we count everybody, we see the business of the chapter, and then we go out on a run, and nobody leaves until everybody gets back. Or we go out and get you.
0: <laughs> well, that day may not have been exceptional to you. To me, it was, oh, okay. it was exceptional, Fair. and it was awesome. For those of you who are longtime listeners to the Run ATL podcast, if you've always wanted to know what he looks like, there he ladies and gentlemen, D2 Delmy Dave Martinez. He is unmasked today, yes, it's hard to believe we're about the same age, I don't think there's anything but natural darkness in that beard, I talk about every week, because I am indeed so envious, more importantly, longtime listeners, this is our featured conversation in episode number 69, this is Joy Tribble, the founder of the Plustra, also based here in Atlanta,
2: and quickly
0: became a friend of mine, in fact, Joy, I'll tell a story really quickly, Joy and I were going to get together, have our conversation. It was when my mom was sick and ultimately passed away. And I think of people who just come alongside strangers, really, at the time, in a difficult period, a difficult season for me. And the way you did that, I immediately felt like, my goodness, this is somebody I cannot wait to get to know. She was just a kinship that seemed to form immediately. So, And then all of a sudden, to see you and you're always smiling and always have this high energy, it is really, really cool for you. To be here, at least for me. Yeah. Thanks once again for making this.
2: Likewise, some time. feeling the mutual. Like, I mean, with your mother's story, of course, we shared that it's a strange fraternity that nobody wants to join because I was able to empathize when she mother passed away as well. So it's good to have folks come alongside you when those type types of things are happening in your life.
0: So well, and, and those types of things this year, I know. Yeah. So we've talked about the plus stride. Right? Obviously, one of the messages that you get out before we talk about black or racial injustice or black and white or anything else that we're going to. Obviously, touch on. You have such an awesome message, and have really been on a camp- campaign body positivity and what you've done through the Plus Strut. Mm-hmm. But of course, coronavirus steps in, and you sideline the Plus Strut for this year. Had to change it to a virtual experience. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the Plus Strut and kind of where you are now. Knowing this has been a difficult year, even before we talk about some of the things that are going on. Around so the Plus Strut
2: is the first 5K for plus size women. Uh, in North America, there isn't a run that is dedicated to this community of women or people in particular. Um, 68% of the people in the United States, I'll take that back, 68% of the women in the United States are a size 14 and above. So if more than half of the women in the United States fit within this demographic, how come there isn't anything dedicated to them, their concerns, their struggles, um, Their fears as it relates to uh, a pedestrian lifestyle because the bus truck could almost be oxymoronic, right? You've got a person with a larger body uh, that you wouldn't see running or walking. Typically, there are people, you know, a small percentage of folks that may go and do things on their own, but as a collective, there isn't that. There isn't the visual that you're able to see that people with larger bodies are equally as capable to do such. And so it was incumbent upon myself um, because the plush card is my story. Yes. Yeah, it's my story. I attended a race. I won't mention the race because the race is a great race. Uh, but I didn't see a lot of people that looked like myself. Uh, and my issues were, dear God, are, are they going to, you know, <laughs> have all the bananas and water and All the, you know, stanchions and stuff. Is all that stuff going to be gone by the time I hit the finish line? Because I was concerned about, you know, being bigger and being last. Being bigger and uh, people just flying by me and me feeling um, some feelings of inadequacy, Right? And so I thought, if I'm feeling this way, I'm sure there are other women that feel like this. And what do we need to do about it? So in 2017... The idea emerged. Um, again, 2020 would have been our third year, but of course we're sure. on the finance game. Uh, we had women register. We don't have chapters as of yet because we're still young. Um, but Atlanta being our, our hub, we have women come from all over the country. Uh, we even have women that come from Bermuda, which is exciting for us because that means the message is getting out beyond. So we got important. an international yeah. attention mm-hmm. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's huge. I mean, because women, we talk about stuff, but sometimes we don't talk about this in particular. And so coronavirus came, um, sidelined us, broke my heart, but I thought we spent too much time leading up to this year, which we felt was going to be a breakout year for us because we had so much um, positivity, communication. folks are like, I'm going to be there. um, And then COVID-19, but we decided we can't lose the momentum of the moment. So we decided to do the virtual experience and not a virtual run because Mm -hmm. those are two different things. We just came together. On one of the platforms that of course allows you to do such and we just walked together for like 45 minutes wow. there wasn't you know a winner a t-shirt and a medal which all of those things are fine but we thought it was just more important in this moment because of course we had been cooped in the house um lots of times women that are in this demographic sometimes are single Right. Mm-hmm. And so not having sort of an extension, you know, what if you don't have a husband? You don't have kids. I mean, maybe your parents are deceased. So how do we also enact community mm-hmm. with what we're doing? So it was important for us to have that virtual experience. And man, I tell you, those ladies are just in the words of Barack Obama, fired up and ready to go. You know, <laughs> they are. They are just they are so enthusiastic. And so um, that that weighs heavily on me in a good way. Um, because it does make me question how do we move forward for 2021 what does that look like Mm -hmm. Um, have we lost momentum right? Uh, because we are such a young event uh, and and it's turning it feels like turning the titanic when it comes to the mental adjustment that you have to make I get inboxes uh, from women that are saying I've watched this organization but I'm afraid to do this I'm alone I have no one else you know, And I say, this is why we're doing this, this is your event. Uh, but it takes us some time to kind of shift that mentality. Uh, so we will move forward in 2021 because it really isn't about me, but I think the virtual experience let me know that this is necessary. Uh, and so whomever shows up is who's supposed to be there. So that's how we're going
1: to move for 2021, and we'll start a lot of that marketing uh, at the top of fourth
2: quarter for 2021. Yeah, I remember that
1: race. Do you? Yeah, I was there. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, so Elite Race Timing is one of our partners. I thinkers. love
2: that guy, Bill Monahan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in my guy.
1: And so we we timed up and we do things together. So were you there? Yeah. And I thought that was me with a towel around my. Is <laughs> that me standing in the right <laughs> there? But sometimes we help each other out because yeah. I I own Time Band Racing. Okay, and nice. so we, 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 we partner up sometimes, yeah. So we're not just bringing them right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you need yeah. To know, right? right here. Thanks for
2: sharing that. Yeah, okay. and I know Bill
0: as well. Awesome. I
2: know.
0: Yeah. 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 Actually, a brook. are they brothers? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were brothers. Uh-huh. So for those of you inside the Atlanta running and walking community, there you go. That's just bonus content <laughs> that you get here on the Run ATL <laughs> podcast. Joy, obviously, yeah. and you, you just, I mean, you know, you've got our encouragement. We've said in the past, and I still remember in the early days of Big Peach Running Company when we say, the pedestrian active lifestyle knows no gender, knows no age, knows no race, knows no body type. And people say, well, are you really going to say knows no body type? At the time, you couldn't talk about the fact that there were different body types. And now you come out yeah. and you deliver the message in a way we never could with a tremendous enthusiasm, but I still very much appreciate you. Joining us remotely, a friend of mine looking very forward to introducing you to her, if you do not already know, Courtney Anderson. And quite honestly, background for me and Big Peach running, Courtney and her business caught my eye. We've been working on some big projects, hopefully have some announcements before this year is out. Certainly you can understand what Joy was saying about things getting delayed perhaps, Getting truncated in terms of how much time you've had to put into them for the time being. But when I was said heard about the vibe, ride, I was just so enamored with the mindset. Go to the website, learn the story, see the energy behind it. And I'm like, who is this? And lo and behold, she actually took a call. We had a great first conversation, got a chance to get to know each other. And then she allowed us to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit and had some really good conversations. Just entrepreneur to entrepreneur, Courtney
3: Anderson.
0: Welcome remotely. Can you hear me all right,
3: Courtney? Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. And I know the Vibe Ride right story, but for those who don't, as I put some of this on the screen, for them, could you give us the same good fortune I have? And that is the backstory.
3: Sure, absolutely. So Vibe Ride is an indoor cycling studio. We also feature other fitness modalities. Um, We were founded and grew here in Atlanta. We have three studios now. Um, The flagship is the one that I own, and I'm the founder and owner of that. And so a couple of years ago, we started to franchise. So now we have three in Atlanta, one in Midtown, Grand Park, and the West Side. And we also have a location in Detroit that's been open for about a year. And so I got interested in boutique fitness, indoor cycling once I moved to Atlanta about eight and a half years ago now. And I just really liked certain instructors. I was really drawn to them because I realized that their classes reflected the city of Atlanta that I was getting to know and love. So they had great music that really motivated people, a lot of Atlanta artists, a lot of Southern hip-hop, a lot of pop, things that really get you motivated What's in your workout playlist. And they had a really unique style of cycling to the beat of the music, but also really focused on power, and it was a good workout, and it really built a community. It was the most diverse fitness class I'd ever been in um and these were in gyms and so i would go to boutique fitness studios and they were really homogenous, not as diverse um didn't really feel that sense of community it was more intimidating so i really wanted to take what was in these kind of enclaves the big box studios and to create and cultivate a really diverse fun supportive fitness community and that's how vibe Ride got started so we opened the first one five years ago And we're just really proud of all of our clients, all of their growth. A lot of people who have never worked out walk through the doors. A lot of people who are seasoned riders still get a good workout. So it really just brings everyone together because we just focus on having a good time. And we have an atmosphere that's a little bit more like a club than a gym. So it's really non-intimidating and just really fun. Well, I
0: would agree with it. Not being intimidating, (laughs) because even as somebody who spent plenty of time on a bike, it is very, very rare that I have done indoor cycling and I have heard certain things that may or may not be true in other studios, but all of a sudden the invitation to come into Vibe ride I still went in, even though it was that invitation from you, Courtney, with this sense of intimidation. And yet every visit has been just like home. It just feels
2: like where I'm
0: So it's super, super cool. What I'm going to do is I go into some of these questions. That are perhaps predictable, but Joy, when I called you, I said, You're black, right? right? And black men (laughs) run and court game, but I all the time don't even see this. Mm -hmm. We're literally four-fifths of a mile away from the Wendy's, he has been the centerpiece Mm -hmm. of the local news as we take this. Mm -hmm. So I actually am fine with not recognizing a lot of this most times. And I'll be honest, I didn't think anything about it when black men run are encouraging these peace groupers. Largely white, up this hill because all I can remember was the enthusiasm that carried us. It was the wind in our sails. I look at your website, I think about you talking about body positivity. I don't know if they're more white or black or Hispanic yeah. or anything else, but I didn't see a lot of others who are just like me or people I know, and they're not black. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I can tell you that when I have the bike ride, I am not the only old white dude there. Yeah. Right? There are <laughs> other who are there. So I guess I can still, and then all of a sudden, it hits me like a ton of bricks. There are really difficult things I'm sure I am t- completely unaware of. So let's start. I'm going to start with okay. you, Joy. Okay? So you mentioned to Courtney well, before we fired up the mic about permitting. And obviously, I think about Chastain Parker, yeah. your event is. Yeah. I think about marketing it's, as a black entrepreneur, a female black, black entrepreneur who is trying to get things done for plus-sized women. You decide to take all the bad cards in the deck. Deal them to yourself and say, so I'm going to play this game. Yeah. What is that like? And do you see resistance? Or is it more like what I want to believe? And everybody is as excited as maybe I am when I hear this is your story and you're going to tell it for the benefit of others. But give us a real sense of what it's like.
2: So, I knew when you called me, you wanted to have a real conversation. Please. Right? Because I've never been one to pull any punches. I've always been the person that's gonna really tell it to you like it is and shoot straight from the hip. And so, when you called me, I thought I'm really gonna be very open and transparent about what I experience. And oftentimes in our marketing, on our website, although you do see me on our video, um, I refrain from showing that I'm a black woman. And that's a conscious choice. It is an absolute conscious choice. Not one that I'm proud to make, uh, but sometimes I make it for survival. Oh,
0: my goodness. So I make a conscious choice because I don't.
2: Yeah. I'm almost. So I help Let me tell you why? Yes, please. please. Um, because large corporations want to see people that look like them, they want to see folks that look like them. And so to know that there's a black woman behind this movement. Unfortunately, sometimes what happens is there is implicit bias that happens. Mm-hmm. People already have their prejudices set up before you open your mouth, before they click the homepage or the contact us or the about us tab on your website. They already decided what they think when they're looking at your site.
3: Absolutely.
2: So, And, and, and we can attest to that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so to help me boost our event, to help me get more eyes on it, to help more of the decision makers uh, come in and say, hey, I want people, when they see the plus sign to connect with the idea and not the fact that I'm black or that I'm white. Because the idea alone is gold, not the fact that I'm a black woman or a white woman. But what happens is, if you are a black woman, then there's a whole other page that they turn to to determine validity, whether or not um, you've got enough experience, how much can you speak to this? There's a lot of box, other boxes that are checked when you're black. Oftentimes I don't even know that they're doing this, but I know that they're doing this. So how do we change that? If we look at it
0: from any of the roles that are in this room or perhaps are gonna hear this, how is it that society perhaps changes where you wouldn't have that intent? To hide that you're this black woman behind this needed
2: movement. I'm gonna ask you that same question. Okay. As a white man. Yes. But you are very across the table and full of love and, and etc. But as a white man, what do black people need to do? That's important. Yeah. Because yeah. if we've done everything, if I have a degree, if I and I'm just listing things, right? If I've done everything that my white counterpart has done, right? But you still choose the white person. What more do I need to do? What else do I need to do? Do I what do I need to change my hair color? Do I need I mean I don't I'm just kind of throwing that out, but if the playing field is level based on qualification and I meet those expectations, what am I supposed to do if you decide to choose my white person? Mm-hmm.
0: So here's one thing that I'll say to all of our listeners, just like I did, and certainly no extra credit for me, but you've got whether you would call them friends, co-workers, neighbors who are black. Call them, please. I implore you and ask these types of questions. Start the conversation on your own. And to maybe tie in very quickly but importantly to what Joy said, she said, I'm asking the question, and I remember one of the things where I thought this would connect us, and I believe it has, is in your organization, you talk very specifically about certain physical conditions that tend to impact Blacks more than others. And the importance of a wellness minded lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Those things that Mac mm-hmm. can assist. And that was part of the foundation of Black Men Run. Yeah. And to me, that was what it was all about. That was what connected was like, wow, you can help people feel good about who they are. I look at the backstory for Black Men Run and I'm like, they recognize that more black men and women in and around the United States, perhaps globally, mm-hmm. end up with these conditions that are somewhat perhaps very avoidable. Mm-hmm. And if we get them out there more frequently, more consistently, more committedly, mm-hmm. we can push back on
2: that.
1: Yeah, it, it is around the consistency, the accountability, and anything in moderation, right? Because you can exercise too much. Believe me, I've been there. You and I have talked about, like, dude, I got to reduce these mileage. My knees are not getting any younger. But to go back to what Joy said, it, it, is, it is everything she said. And then sometimes the, the narrative changes whether you're female or male, but mm-hmm. the common denominator were still black.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I did an experiment and I and I wanted to show one of my white peers, wasn't a friend, peer, that this thing, which is systemic racism, and you say unconscious bias, implicit. Implicit. Yeah. That implicit <clears throat> bias turns to deliberate. Mm-hmm. That's just the precursor that gets you to now making a conscious decision to disqualify disassociate or invalidate that person because it doesn't make you comfortable yes. right some of my white peers didn't believe that so I said I'll do an experiment my name is Edward Walton you could not tell who I am by that name that's my government name right so I went onto my LinkedIn profile I'm in cybersecurity. I'm very well experienced seasoned on my own company I've been working in some of the biggest corporations I said, look at my hits on my LinkedIn page for someone who's looking for my services and skills, and they took the number. And I said, watch this. I took my picture off the profile, and my hits and inquiries went up 57 percent.
2: Wow.
1: So because wow. they could not figure out what or uh, who I was what because my color, color. Yeah. Was. Because Edward Walton doesn't give you anything. Yeah. And even if I'm on the phone with you, you groove your conversation as a person of color to speak in a manner that you're trying to avoid detection. And they do that. So there was nothing hiding about me creating Black Men Run. When Jason and I put this together, you could imagine the Snickers. Where's there a white man run? Sure it is. Two ways, you can come join us, or it's been a white man run for as long as I know. And I saw something to come and I said, Jason, we're gonna take this two ways. The mission is to make sure that we bring awareness to diseases health concerns, lack of, of, of ample health care. And it's been validated every day from, from folks who've had diabetes to hypertension. that say, hey man, this has changed my life. Not that I didn't want to do it. I didn't have anyone to do it with. Now I have a brotherhood. And it's even more validated now because COVID-19, you saw it disproportionately affecting people of color. That has nothing to do with our genetic you know, inferiority. We're not that. that's been proven. It's because of the systemic lack of proper diet, education, job. I'm senior in my job. I own my company. I can take off any I want to go run, just like I can go vote whenever I want. If I want to stand in that line for 12 hours to vote, I'll stand there for 12 hours. But because of the things that are affecting people in this demographic, which is not white America, something is simple as being able to go to exercise your right to vote, your right to exercise, all these other things. When you get home at five o'clock, I want to run. I want to drink a beer. The day has worn upon them. Being black in this country is exhausting. It's exhausting. And so we try to frame these conversations and try to come up with a quick answer. You can't. But if you want me to get one, I'll give you one. End racism and bigotry. There you go. Make it painful to be that person to do it. Because it's already been tried, and all you do is stop burning cross and wearing sheets to affecting my ability to get a job to get a loan to own a business to do everything i had to be twice as good i had to duck my eyes, cross my t's then i had to go back and cross my i's and dot my t's mm-hmm.
0: so you mentioned you know obviously edit, edit, racism at racism at its you know perhaps it's worse or if the, if the, do you work at the top down or do you work from the, the bottom up in your estimation because you know both and, and try to meet in the middle or just you yeah. work at
1: every angle. You, you you have to work it from the top down from lawmakers, legislation, and leaders and to individuals like yourself and community to come in because it's been proven that top-down model doesn't work.
2: Okay.
1: It's been proven that if that's if you don't have a, a individuals like yourself who, who have a legitimate reason and, and genuine say, Man, we got to get this right. You, you can't do it from you have you have to do it like this and squash it in the middle. Because the system is is reluctant to change. When the main benefactors of the system are creators of the system, why change?
2: Yeah.
1: I give an example you UCAN. I'll close this out. We did an uh, interview with UCAN. Uh, and I said, let me tell you what white privilege is like. If you're a Superman and you tell me you can't use your powers, you sure? No, you can't. Then you go back to that same Superman, say, hey, you got to give up your powers. You. Are you out your mind? I'm not giving up my privilege. Even if it's at the the, the expense of me not being an ally, I'm not going to alienate the comfort that I have with my friends to speak up. So the system needs allies on the inside in the same way that you have to have external influences and external outrage to say, "This this is not gonna happen. Think about if you, and I don't wanna marginalize or reduce this. Think about if you had the same amount of outrage as we did with the Me Too movement. That you got white men for most part, I'll say it, that's how it is. They're now going back and checking themselves. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I say this? Did I do that? Now take that out and say, did I put any type of racism bigotry in there? You wouldn't have anybody to work. Two things I want to say to
2: that. One, there's more outrage when it comes to animal rights.
1: Oh, yes. Oftentimes, this is when it
2: comes to, to black lives matter. People ask the question, do Black Lives Matter, but when uh, my German Shepherd is hurt by someone, people are irate about their fur baby.
1: Ask Michael Vick.
2: As Michael Vick. And I almost didn't say that. And I'm so glad you did. As Michael Vick. So think about that. The life of a human being has less uh, value than an animal. It's BS, and I'm trying to be PC, but it ticks me off to that level. That's number one. Number two, your other point about that from the top down, you also have to have people at the top that are black, that are minority, that can speak to the issues that are happening on the lower level. Because like you said, white people are not gonna wanna lose their power, but if there are other people, black people in positions of power, then they can bring in their history, their experiences, to the conversation and say okay guys take a look at this yeah i know you don't want to do this but being a black person this is why these people are acting this way because i'm these people mm-hmm. if you're not a white person you don't know what it's like to be black but being a black person in power they can speak to why is this happening and why do they feel this way i can tell you why folks are writing i can tell you why but a lot of people it make that conversation makes people uncomfortable because it disrupts
0: Mm-hmm. It just company. Yeah. Wow. All right, Courtney. I'm I'm coming your way because I have to admit that when I look at our business and I look at all of the businesses that are here, it's yours that I feel like, even you know, without ever having the good fortune of sitting in a strategic planning meeting for ride or any of the conversations you have with your partners or your constituents, that because. You lease facilities. You have multiple locations, and you're consumer facing and street facing, and all this. It's like, oh my goodness, completely different than Big Peach Running Company, but at the same time, a lot of similarities. When it comes to finding the right location for a lease, when it comes to getting suppliers to provide the equipment that you need to not only operate your business but do so with distinction, when it comes to marketing and presenting your business, what are some of the things that you would say? that perhaps speak maybe very much to what Joy and Edward have said. It's tough or it's different because you're a black woman operating this business that I may mean just think is indoor cycling with great energy and awesome music and incredible coaches. But then there's this backstory that most people don't know. And I'm going to ask you maybe now to share with this somebody. says.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. There are definitely a lot of challenges from all facets of opening the business. I'll start with some of the, kind of getting up and running um, as being a black female entrepreneur. I'm also an attorney and my co-founder is also an attorney. And so, um, oh, we are, I'm, and I haven't, uh, I'm a law professor now and I practice um, commercial real estate. So I know a lot about, you know, leasing and the rental markets and all of that stuff. And so we had everything together. Um, and then we, we were going for, you know, we would go to places, and then we would kind of do a lot of things virtually. And especially when it came to lease negotiations, um, we have a lot of experience with that. And so we would negotiate the lease, and we would get it done, and then we would go in person for like a walkthrough or a meeting. And then, you know, the terms would change or like the space would be unavailable. Um, And even though it was still empty, this happened time and time again, it was very, very difficult to get a space. Financing is another really big issue, and so this is a brick and mortar company. Um, it will we self finance, and we were going to get, you know, a small business loan, and there's, you know, no credit issues or anything like that with any of the investors, and we were personally guaranteeing all of that and had the ability to do that, but it was very difficult getting a small business loan, and a, it's very common um, financing a business for a black entrepreneur is extremely difficult the disparities grow even more when you're talking about, you know, higher series A, series B fundraising and venture capital. Um, that's when it just gets, the gap widens even more. So there are a lot of challenges, despite the fact that black females consist of the biggest group of entrepreneurs, the disparities with respect to revenue, with respect to financing, that sort of structural support, that's where you see a lot of the gaps. And, a, you know, a lot of people probably of you know, persist, you know, in spite of that, but there are still these kind of um, roadblocks up front. And then with respect to marketing, I think the comments made earlier about, you know, conscious decisions of how you want to present yourself at the moment, it's been really interesting, you know, deciding how to respond to everything we have. We really pride ourselves on our diversity and, you know, we don't really shy away from those conversations, but it's always in the back of your Mine, be, I mean, we luckily kind of have made that decision from the beginning, so it's it tends to be part of our brand. Um, but you know, it's it's an issue. I mean, you get a lot of kind of feedback about you know, not wanting things to be political when you write something about like equality or when you post for like you know, Martin Luther King Day. I'm like, that's I'm not making a political statement. Um, so uh, it, it's it's kind of a fine line to walk, and there's always that element that people will kind of read race and politics into what you are presenting even though you're making a neutral statement um and i feel like a lot of black entrepreneurs go above and beyond to present diversity or to make sure they have someone depending on who they're speaking with if they're trying to get corporate sponsorship they try to show diversity or have someone you know white be a part of their team where the opposite isn't you know that extra effort isn't made to be as inclusive and as diverse when um the business owner is not black so there are definitely it's just always something that permeates every aspect of business Um, from financing from getting started to marketing to dealing with customers all of that is kind of always an extra obstacle and so it's just a challenge to how to make that part of your brand and to make diversity a selling point in a world where people have a lot of bias. Mm-hmm.
0: So I see a lot of nodding and yet what perhaps nobody would see, but maybe senses alongside me. is I just, I feel like my heart breaking because I feel like I've known all of you to some degree through the stories of your organization or conversations we've had. And yet at the same time, I would have not thought of these things. It took me going for a couple of runs since Courtney accepting the invitation to come on to think about. Well, I wonder if it's different when Courtney does a financing arrangement or is talking to someone about a potential leasing agreement. And sure enough, it absolutely is. And then to hear some of the things that you just said, I'm like, oh my goodness. So, it, it, and the just position I believe is lost. I,
1: I I think that we're still trying to oversimplify something that is
2: mm. that
1: is complex. Think about this, you know, when you when you I'm in tech, and it's been well documented that tech companies do not hire people of color, especially African Americans. They won't invest, they won't do all these things. Think about something as simple as when a company makes an inclusive or diversity hire, it's to check a box, mm-hmm. so they don't get penalized or they, they meet a quota. But as a black company, I need to go get me a white guy to sit in this meeting.
2: It's so true.
1: I need to get me somebody that they'll sign off on it. Right. So what's your position? Whatever he says, there you go. Yep. Right. And, and 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 so this is the game that you play, right? And uh, f- for those who say that they don't see it, either two things are happening. It has become either so common to see these these inaccuracies, right, that you don't see it, or you choose not to.
0: You really? Right? Well, I would admit right now that I'm guilty of the lack. Right? It's just like I see the person, and I probably like, especially if if I you know kind of fall in love with their personality and just believe in what they're doing. Why would I not put blinders on? This is what I want to know. This is what. So let me ask you this: If you say these things that some of us have just either been blind to, Mm -hmm. or have not dug deep enough to see, what are some of the things that immediately you would say, man, here's something else you don't understand. Here's something else people would have no idea. Whether it's as a black business owner, whether it's with a message, a campaign, a deep background, whether it's as an entrepreneur that maybe I can relate to, what are some of these things that are like, you think we've started to maybe open your
2: eyes a little bit? Well, I was going to say, sorry, Ed, that it's about using your privilege. It's about using what you have in your hand, right? You don't see it because you've fallen in love with me, the concept, my energy, personality, etc. Yeah. So you don't see it. Okay, you see it, but you don't see it. Yeah. You don't use it against me, right? But then you have to take your heart and your mindset and you gotta share that. You gotta use that and make sure other white men can have a piece of your mind because they connect more with you than they ever would with me as a black woman. I mean, there's the black man aspect, but then I'm a black woman. So that ticks me down further. Mm-hmm. So it's using what you have already, the power that you have already to share a heart that you have, to share your mindset, to change their mind. As I talked about changing the titan- the mental issue with the t- it's, it's the same concept. It's hard to get people to shift their mind, but you have the relationships. They connect with you. So it's you using what you have in your hand to help us change the narrative. Because we can only do so much. And as, and as our ally, that's where you kick in.
0: Well, and when I think about the phrase change the narrative, and I thought about this, I went back and, you know, reread letter from a Birmingham jail. Just, I'm sure, you know, some of us could perhaps say, oh, yeah, but I've got that thing memorized in certain parts. And as I read it, I'm like, did we blow it? Did our generation blow it? Because we had an opportunity to perhaps not have this death of disappointment. And yet, as a father of teenagers, let's look at it as a parent. Forget about it as a business owner or a white man of privilege. As a parent, I want to get it right. So that even if sometime my son or daughter comes around and maybe has a part of this business or is doing the same thing I am, they're not gathering their friends to have this conversation in 25 years. That's But kids are very, very, very
1: cognizant of hypocrisy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then and if you think your kids aren't watching you or listening to you, th- that is a that is a misnomer. They may yeah. not listen to you when,
0: when <laughs> you're Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I have two boys. So you're talking about what what one thing? Yes. Yeah. So I I wasn't really sure your kids and their age. They're you teenage. Yep. And I assumed that one of them was male. That's correct. Right. So part of his driving education, is he driving? Yes. Did you teach him how to get pulled over by the police and not mm-hmm. die? I did not. Mm. Just sit just there. So one. I was going to okay. say, just
2: what Joy Just say "La," Just sit in that. Just let that sit in. End. Just let it set in. Because that's a line of passage for black
1: parents. 11 and 2. Keep your hands on 11 and 2. You want to keep your child from getting pulled over? I do pretty well. If my son wants a BMW or Mercedes or whatever, but I had to think about that. Yeah. Because the first thing, what are you doing in this car? Where'd you steal it? The only time they may get a pass is they in the neighborhood because they may figure, well, I don't know who this kid is. He's pulling to this type of neighborhood or so and so. So now you're starting to see caution among the law enforcement because you never know. It may not be me, but you may not know who I know for you to harass my kid. Now, you do have some rogue elements, not all police officers are bad. That's like not all of white America is bad. But the problem is, is that a lot of these so-called allies are merely opportunists. And and we're not putting a burden on you. You cannot solve the world, Mike. But you can solve the little piece that if you see something that is not kosher, you may not have to embarrass that person who may be a friend or a peer, but pull them to the side and say, that's not how we operate. That's not how I operate, that's not how my kids operate, it's not how we do it. You,
2: know, you can't act together.
1: Yeah, it's not a threatening to say if you don't do it. Yeah. Believe me, if you do that, you won't ruin a friendship. They're gonna walk away because they're gonna figure, oh, you wanna do. Ah. Uh, you want them to love us.
2: Yes, you
1: You'll find yourself being slowly ostracized by folks you thought were close because your beliefs and the way you go about your business is guided by conscience.
0: Well, there's a certain, and I'd like to think it's universal, but I know it's not, where you get to a certain age, and I'm sure it's for some, they get to that maturity before others, but now I've realized through this, some people never get there, where they're just comfortable in that level of discomfort that comes with people not believing what they believe or not being interested in what they believe. And for me, we're there. I mean, D2 manages our social media. He did certain things that I wouldn't have thought twice about. Mm-hmm. And yet we're getting people who now are not going to shop in our stores or people who are going to publish that, you know, we've gone too far. It doesn't even dawn on us, but yet that's out there. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this question. I'm going to start with you, Courtney. You apparently knew, as all of you have been kind enough to hear, what you were getting into as an entrepreneur, but more maybe as a woman, but certainly as a black entrepreneur. And yet you went for it anyway. And now here we are, and gosh, I certainly recognize on the backside of the pandemic, if we're even on the backside, maybe right in the midst of, perhaps the better way to say it, there's a lot of work still to be done, right? I mean, as someone with multiple units and plenty of team members and all that, we're still trying to figure it out. I know you're the same. So I'm not going to suggest that it's unicorns and it's rainbows and it's all Pollyanna and vibe right now. But what I will ask is, has it been harder even than what you imagined? Has it been on par with what you anticipated when you were bold enough to say you are going for it even knowing what we know? Or perhaps has it been difficult but maybe not quite as much as you thought it would be?
3: Um, that's a great question. It's It's been really difficult but I'll say, first of all, um, a lot of, and this this is just kind of like an unfortunate stereotype that in part is a result of just lived experience um, with respect to a lot of the strength of black entrepreneurs. Um, this isn't, it's not your first challenge usually by the time you start to open your business. Working in corporate America was also a challenge. Um, working in academia continues to be a challenge. So it's just kind of like something that's you, you're prepared for an uphill battle, no matter kind of what avenue you take. And I'll say, I come from a point of privilege with respect to, you know, my education and my background. Um, So that's something that I've been able to rely on, but I mean, in spite of that, it doesn't obviously get rid of racism. And so, it's almost kind of like inevitable there's no escaping it. There's not like a route that you can take. Um, you know, I can talk to my friends who are, you know, school teachers who are, you know, in every kind of aspect, they, they still face this. And a lot of it has to do with um, there's there's the explicit racism, but that's less of in not that it's not there, but it's less of an issue because that's something that we can all recognize and point to and we can say, hey, we all agree that that's bad. Um, but what really kind of is a challenge, um, and is more of it, and something that i I was, that became a little bit more, pre- becomes more prevalent to me as I grow older, um, are the kind of, um, objective disparities. And so policies that are absolutely neutral on their face, but have these, you know, detrimental impacts to black people, um, are something that's, you know, that I've really seen for example, um, you know, a policy saying that, you know, we don't talk. We don't talk about race. We don't see race. If a customer comes in, we don't need to discuss their race. That's something that you would think is good. That's something that says, you know, we don't recognize the race. But when you're not recognizing race, you're not recognizing a lot of prejudices. You aren't recognizing a lot of things that are built into relationships. So, you know, working with vendors, you know, working with all of these institutions, if they don't recognize anything that they've done, that you know, creates these disparities, there's not a conversation to change it and they don't make any type of room for inclusion. And so that becomes much more um, apparent when you have a small business because you're working with a lot of other small businesses that aren't held to, you know, the federal standards that we all recognize that have these, like, anti-discrimination statutes. Those aren't, you know, relevant for them. So then it becomes what their, what their internal policies, what their procedures are and, you know, the type of diversity that's in their own structures. And with that kind of flexibility and with kind of also people forming networks where, you know, they hire and promote within their own networks. They reach out to other businesses within their networks. And so you've just kind of formed social groups, entrepreneurial groups, um, vendor relationships that don't have black representation. That's where it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, But it's it's been that way for for quite some time. Um, So as far as like kind of taking the leap and doing it anyway it was really I think if you speak to a lot of black entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in general once you kind of have a passion and ambition that's something that tends to take over and also you know the ability to employ um, you know black entrepreneurs to be a role model to employ black contractor staff that's something that was really important to me so that really was um, a driving factor. Well
0: when I think about some of the things and I've had this conversation with people where they talk about starting my business, and I'm like, well, as an ultra-marathoner, you get used to it, but I mean, to hear, per se, when well, I'm black, so you get used to challenge, you get used to hardship, you get used to having to get up when you get knocked down, when you don't it's just one of those things that is just going to take your breath away, you're like, yeah, an ultra-marathoner, but anybody can relate to that. I think it's tough to relate to the color of your skin, being how you develop a toughness, that some of us just can't understand. I mean, so, yeah. you got to think about it. I, mean, it's,
1: I can't. I, I find it in conflict. How can you not understand? How can anyone not understand? I think people think racism started two, two years ago, or ten years ago, or twenty. This is four hundred years. Yeah. Right. And then what, And then you hear from certain detractors. Why are you bringing up old stuff? Slavery was way back younger. What yesterday? It's just a different form. Just matter. It just manifests itself different. And 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 for folks, what do you think of cliche? The new black. Whenever whenever someone says something is hard, this is the new black because it's been determined being black in America is
0: not a good deal. So I've not heard that phrase. So tell me to just,
1: well, you, you you see you see things that people say. Well gay is the new black, or or this is the new black, or some sort of the new black to try to understand and try to familiarize and try to, you know, make their struggles symbolic to the struggle that we've had. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Hey, the, new. Okay. The, 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 the thing is, is that you can always fade back. I, I can't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be anything other than black. That's it. And so, uh, you know, it, it is it is it is more complex, but at the same time it's simple. I I think this generation will not have an appetite for the status quo going forward. Yeah. The only is it bad for the, the unit of this country, it's bad for
2: business.
1: Yeah. It's bad for business. Yeah. And and, 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 and you're seeing that change is gonna be forced. It's and unfortunately, that's how it's gonna happen. And so, you know, but being that ally and being that person doesn't mean I put a burden upon you. The burden is not upon
0: you to do this. You didn't cause it, oh, not. you know, but but you can help. help. But that's yeah. you know, what I was gonna say. So there are the things, of course, mm-hmm. that all of us did not cause, but we can yeah. contribute yeah. to solving. Yeah. Me. yeah. So all. let me ask let me ask this because let's go back to you know, part of the at least for me. Genesis of why I think I'm so enamored with the organizations that we have the good fortune that are very upfront or outright. In the fact, they're black, they're black business owners they're black entrepreneurs. They're, you know, black led, whatever it might be. And that is when I think about, heck, what we talked about earlier, and I still remember in elementary school talking about certain blood related conditions that were just more prevalent. And at the time what was always referred to as African-American mm-hmm. and now, I mean, you guys have said very clearly, there are also, other things that we need to be mindful of as it relates to heart disease and relates to stroke and relates to, today I go for a run on McDonough Boulevard. Not far from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. The sidewalk is fine. It is so overgrown. You would have to be in the street in order to run on that road. So you've got this six-foot sidewalk. There are so many neighborhoods. There's no way they would let the sidewalk get that overgrown where it's impassable. Absolutely not. And it just broke my heart to think, you know, take the side, get rid of the sidewalk, and purpose the concrete to something that could be better served, or stop. I mean, this has been growing for years to be this overgrown. about mm-hmm. someone who could be pushing back against heart disease, a blood-related cancer, some kind of other consideration that has to do with body positivity? They never use that sidewalk. What can we do to help? Just something that that impacts the pedestrian active lifestyle.
1: You know, that's, I, mean, that's, I was going to say, I, I give you one. When you hold events, don't hold events to, great, to, to, to solely for the purpose of bringing runners and, and activity. Make it, a, make it an event that people get to truly intervene and, 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 and talk to someone that they otherwise would not have. Because everybody's all friendly when you get to start. The you want to ask me how fast I'm running? This is your first marathon. Because you got to come in there. me, right? 26.2 miles doesn't care what color you are, it's hard you, you are. Gravity is the same. So everybody's friendly. But once they're done, you saw people start to congregate into things that are comfortable to them, the people that they're used to seeing. Even strangers, because that stranger looks like someone that they're comfortable around, they gravitate to it. Which is why I found it crazy that when Jason and I started Black Men Run, we're getting sneers and funny jokes and so on and so when I said, Jason, we need to handle this two ways. Handle the the brotherhood, the health management, the crisis, the mental health and physical aspect. I'll take care of the lab. I'll get the team together and show we can. So when you see black men run, give me a minute, I'm going up on the podium. I'll be right back.
2: That's a little different for us because our core values are inclusion, diversity, community and fun, right? And so we make it a point to ensure That other cultures are represented. Why? Because if there are 68% of the women in this country that are size 14 and above, they can't all be black. They cannot all be black. black. The numbers don't support that. So that's why it's important for us that inclusion is there. So, to Ed's point, when you are at the starting line and then when you're done, the common denominator there isn't your color, it's your size. It's your size. So we're not talking about, hey, black girl, hey, white girl. We're talking about, girl, my behind is right. Or my boobs get chafed when I do, you know, extracurricular activities or or some of the. So we make it so that color, even though it's present, is not the first thing that you see. We're connected because of our body type. So it's important for us to make sure that all of those different women are represented so that you know it's there, but you walk away with a girlfriend that's Asian or Asian or black or Hispanic because 68%, is too many of us to all be one color.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna now yeah. I'm gonna double down on what you said about we'll create an event that what does that look like? If Big Peach Running Company and black men run get together and say we're gonna create an event that not only has progress in mind, but quite frankly is more aligned with the vision that you have. What does that look like? And how possible is it? Amidst coronavirus, yeah, perhaps. But even more so, we're on when we're on the backside of this, what do we do together that perhaps creates that vision and becomes a reality? Well the, the intimacy of what the activity that you're that you having,
1: you know, so you guys have right you, you, you have that stand you have a thing that thing that, that makes you and makes what you are what vibe. It's the same thing. When you come into this place, the, the way it's set up lens to you going to talk to somebody, you know, not just not going to be able to say something and you're able to make these ad hoc spontaneous conversations. But when you look at something like a running event, the expo's are super quick. Get in, get out. You don't have socials where you promote individuals to come in and talk without feeling rushed. And so when you do these things, build up an event that says, hey, come out and meet your neighbor. Come out and meet this other person. Come meet someone that you would It has to be a deliberate action to be able to bring folks together outside of just get your beer, run the race, drink a beer after the race, use the same disgusting porta potty yeah. and then go home, right? You need to have these diversity things, right? And so why Black Men Run is our, is our name our moniker and standard. We're inclusive. We have white, Blacks, Women supporters, you, you can come as long as you're going to be right and be above board. So when you have these group runs across the city, it's a good thing to have. But at the same time, now that this awakening of sort has happened, let your eyes see. Let your eyes see that when you see these big old runs and this run and that. Another question. Why are people of color the only one have a unity run? Why do we have to be the ones that have run for justice and unity run? Well, I,
2: I mean, we, we know why. We know why. Yeah. I, I'm trying to yeah. figure out why some of the non yeah.
1: people of color have not had a unity run. I am buoyed and I'm hopeful because I've seen the outpouring of white folks in America that, that are the that are, that Black Lives Matter and they're going out and they're doing these things because, like I said, the appetite for this stuff is dying off with this legacy mindset. Unfortunately, it's being taught for those who want to maintain power. Mm -hmm. So racism has been encapsulated into something that we call power. Mm -hmm. We won't call it racism, but I need to teach my kid how to wield their power, which is their racism. That's all it is. But some of them were going That's some of the the, some of the people that have the most open mind are gonna be athletes. When you're in that locker room, you're gonna see me especially playing football. Well, I'm and you, learn, you learn how to integrate. But when you send your kid to the high school, when you send them to the country club, you, you can tell. And just look. look. Let your eyes, you know, and look and see and say, maybe I'm not doing anything bad, but I'm not
0: changing the world. That's the white model. Can so we get
2: so back that to that? I'd like to add to this conversation as well. When you experience a person that says, to Ed's point, you know, what's the big deal? Why are we still talking about slavery and racism? This is over and we've atoned for that. Hour. So, what we've heard, heard people <laughs> say is we paid for that when we elected the first black president, as asinine as that is. But I would ask the question you tell me, person that doesn't think racism still exists, if you would want to exchange your skin color for mine. And you tell me. If it still lives and breathes and moves the way that it does, take a year and expand your color mine mm-hmm. and to see what the like, what life is like in my skin color. And if, it, and if at any point, you absolutely know you wouldn't want to do that. Then, then we still need to have these conversations and, for this adjustment to be made.
1: And and the thing about that is. A lot of folks, when you make that comment, are so brave because they realize it's an impossibility. The closer you'll get to that is exchange my social economic status to being poor.
2: Mm -hmm. And they don't want to do that either. Absolutely
1: not. I can understand poor. I give. I don't want to be poor. So for you to say, I changed sides with you. You be black, I be white. That's an incredulous proposition because that's not going to happen. Sure. But if I say exchange your wealth for mine, our class and state, can I do it another way? <laughs>
2: the idea, is the, same. The, idea, the, idea is the same. But I mean, even more
0: practically, and, and obviously this isn't any more possible, especially given my lack of acumen in security and other things that have to do with technology. But imagine saying, okay, I'm going to be the co-founder of Black Men Run, and I'm going to have a technology security firm, mm-hmm. and you're going to be the business owner at Big Peach Running Company. Mm-hmm. What would the difference be in terms of the day-to-day. I would come back to you and be like, hey, we picked up a few clients. You'd be like, I call those clients, they didn't even return my call. Mm-hmm. And now big piece running company, what are the things that we just take for granted perhaps that now you say, well, you shouldn't because guess what? It came to an end or it became harder or we never had the opportunity. That would be a unbelievably interesting exercise. Not poor or rich, not black or white, just take your life, and mine and for two people to have an honest conversation about what the differences would be.
2: But I think you still have to do it, in my opinion, from a black and white perspective. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. because we're black and, black, and yeah, white, you so I, have to Absolutely, no, I'm talking about a black person and a white person, yeah. change roles. I, I don't think that you know, will
3: have as much impact.
1: I, I, I think that you are actually in one of the industries and you have more Impactful opportunities. I agree with that. That's why I love this lifestyle personally. Because when you come in, at the majority of the people that come into your store are white. i am a problem with the the whole running athletic community because we're not, and this is totally off topic. We're not recruiting enough young people. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing enough young people who want to continue their their their, their athletic careers outside of college.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. you're not throwing the football, dunking the football, or you baseball or doing something, dunking the football, dunking the basketball. <laughs> um, You know, you go into this, 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 um, this—the accountability of maintaining your physical well-being and health—that's on you. It really sucks, and everybody (laughs) gets. Oh oh my God! (laughs) No,
0: it doesn't suck.
1: So when you were in that store, make a conscious effort. Open up another piece and just look at what is the demographic of people that are coming in here. And when they come in here, am I? readily advertising that we are a very open-minded type of organization. That doesn't mean we go fight every battle because Black Men Run is not an activist organization. The death rate of my active members is less than 1%. It's less than 1 and 1 and 1 and 1 and 1% those who contracted COVID, but who were infected and not. Why? Because when you have physical well-being on the uh, underlying condition, you can't beat the disease, but you can resist. All I want my guys to do is resist.
0: Sure. And some of the other things that
1: we talked about. My college roommate died.
2: Mm-hmm. As a result of COVID? Yes. Oh,
1: wow. My best friend's wife mm-hmm. wasn't going to make it, but she looks like she's on, a, on the on the other side after seven weeks on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. My youngest son's girlfriend's brother died. 28 Come to find out now, her grandfather died. So the disease knows no boundaries, per se. The boundaries that the disease are finding opportunity is because of the institution that is the racial and social disenfranchisement of people of color in this country. If you had more people who had relatively available, why would this country fight universal health care?
2: What? Why is that hard? If
1: everybody's healthy, doesn't that make sense? That everybody's healthy? It
2: benefits us as a whole. It's not hard. Yeah, it's
0: true. So let's let's stay here because obviously, when we think about the pedestrian active lifestyle, I've mentioned the Big Peach Running Company mission to grow, to support, to enhance the pedestrian active lifestyle in and around Atlanta. Obviously, there is no obvious place where we would say it's not all inclusive, it's not all welcoming, it's not where we shouldn't say, with confidence, nobody should feel intimidated. But yet, as you just pointed out, that's not always the case, right? When you walk into our stores in granted, we're in places like Kennesaw and Alpharetta and Swanee, where there is, I have no idea what the population percentages by race are, but I would bet they're substantially white, maybe overwhelmingly sure. to some degree by zip code. How do we start to make real progress? Not just who's coming through the doors, not just who's going to the race star lines, whether the plus truck or somewhere else, but quite frankly, who is more like those in your membership that are not passing away because they are taking good care of themselves. People who are signing up for the plus group because they recognize that physical fitness, even if it doesn't mean losing weight, is a part of who they are. How do we take those steps? How do we make that where truly racial equity is alive and well in the pedestrian active lifestyle?
1: you got to have a conversation. I mean, Courtney will probably be the best answer to that because out of everything, you know, obviously her her mixture and her demographic is going to be much more diverse than ours, right? We have people of other nationalities and ethnic groups in black men run, but 90% of everybody's black men run. Right. And, and so, but I would lend to talking to these two young ladies to figure out how they're doing it. How do you make people comfortable coming? Because we got a saying, the white guy's up one of our runs, he got some money for money. He's got, some He's got some body. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run sure. with you guys. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to have a
0: suggestion here. And so, Corey, I'm actually going to ask a question that I was going to save for later, but my observations, you're welcome to say, those are not accurate. But when I've been in and around the Vibe ride, I think there are a pretty substantial number of white people, and they have this somewhere between appreciation to maybe just fascination. With what might be considered, at least to some degree, culturally, from, the, from a, a black person's point of view, part of what was created by black. You know, whether it's the music, whether it's the fashion. Yet, when I was in the class most recently, I was one of know, eight or nine of us, all white, much smaller black, except for the instructor. Um, so, right, let's put that out there. How do you do that? How do we make this more available? And from your standpoint, what do you see as maybe a, I don't know, a secret or an opportunity for us to bring black and white and all the others together through fitness? Because it seems like you're doing it at the vibrant.
3: Oh, sure. Um, so I don't think that there's ever been an issue in fitness or in it really kind of any other facet. With white people appreciating and emulating Black culture, and I think that in fitness, with respect to vibe Ride, that's just kind of a reflection of what you see in music, in fashion, in movies, in language, um, in you know, general entertainment and pop culture. There tends to be like it tends to be like really led by Black individuals, especially in the creative space. So I think fitness is just another reflection of that. Um, so. So I think there's always kind of a draw to black culture, particularly in Atlanta, where we are, um, where, you know, black culture has influenced everything from politics to business Um, so that there's I think just drawing a distinction between wanting to be close to a culture and having respect and appreciation for black people is a really kind of big dividing point. And so the difference is when black people own the culture and control, um, kind of the power that it has. And that's why I'm, you know, a really big advocate for things being black owned. Um, because it's really, someone could take our, and have, (laughs) you know, taken our exact concept. They can play, you know, music by Black artists. They can have, you know, runs to support Black charities, LGBTQ charities. They can, you know, say that they're all about community. That's very easy to do, and they don't have to be Black-owned. So I think, um, you know, supporting black entrepreneurs and black business owners is something that's very important. So there's just not sort of a leech on the culture and appropriation of it, but really Mm -hmm. supporting the vision behind it. So um, I think that's kind of, you know, something that really kind of needs to focus. How can we change the system to put black people in a position of power so the culture the the benefits of the culture can actually flow to the people who created it. And so, you know, people are drawn to Vybride in part exactly for what you say. They like the community. They like that. It's a little that it has like this kind of X factor, this cool factor, you know, that same reason why people like hip hop music or why, you know, Air Force Ones have been popular for so long and why people love sports. It's kind of like, a lot of the stylistic things um, but it's important for the dollars to flow you know definitely to the initial creators and purveyors of it.
2: I think she makes a great point because it's it's not just like you said about cultural appropriation because yes everybody likes our music and the word that people use too much my and they like our swag etc but they also need to know that there's value and not just value for what makes them feel good or makes them look cool but know that going to buy, buy, and supporting that business, it is equally as valuable as you go into an or, a company or organization that's owned by a white person. Mm-hmm. The value need that the playing field needs to be level. And so, I think white people need to just see it as this isn't a less than organization because the mm-hmm. leader is black, mm-hmm. because they don't think that way when the leader is white. Right. And,
1: and, and you're once again unique position to be able to even if you don't do anything but just observe. You'll see that it, it, it's are you guys sports guys? Sports guys?
0: No, sports. I was going to say the sure answer probably no but it doesn't mean we don't know what sports are. I'd just rather go out and run a mountain trail and sit down and watch football on
1: Sunday. Let me give you a So this is this is more different than any surgery you have having. trying to root out these, these, these preconceptions and these notions and make things better, right? Equal. Yep. Football quickly came out and made a statement. Mm-hmm. Bad for business. you want to apologize But to oh, They well. haven't apologized. No, they won't.
2: Thank you, D2. They haven't
1: I said they want to come out and do it,
2: but they haven't.
1: And and because it's bad for business. Dale, uh, Roger Goodell, if there's nothing else, he ain't dumb. He's, he's a businessman. And, and and 60% of your workforce is African-American. They have the business. Basketball's next. Because the majority of your workforce, but you didn't see baseball, not yet. Because it doesn't affect them because the majority of the players in baseball are white or people of color that are not African-American. Right, but so there's no need for us to take a position just yet. Because majority of our audience, if you don't know, even go over to, I live right down the street from Battery. Go look up in the stands. A lot of people out there, my sons played baseball through college, which was a rare. You just don't see that. It's expensive. But you can look at things that are non-related to what we call serious occurrences, but it's, it's rooted in everything we do. It's America's game. We're not making a statement. So let's take
0: it to where we live. We all live mm-hmm. in recreation. I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. Even if you are the most fit person at the vibe ride in a class, right? Even if you win whatever race it is that you and I might show up at next, it's still recreational. We're not going to be playing at Truist Park or we're not going to be part of the NBA or whatever. Mm -hmm. What is that step that we can take to better understand so that we're not that white person in the stands? but that black person out on the field. Well, you're in a very
1: safe place. Put people in a place where they feel safe to have the conversation and not be judged.
2: I think
1: that's important. You're in a disarming place. You come in to buy some shoes. You come in to get nutrition. You come in and shoot the, you know, you, you're there. So it's a very it's a very neutral place to start the conversation because to, to have a tall hall or a forum and everything, everybody's already in. I'm not going to say anything that's going to, you know, expose me or because or, everybody's scrutinizing every word. Sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to scrutinize every word. One of the best things that happen to people that are not being properly represented is social media. It's also the detriment of us because you're probably able to profile you right off the bat. Companies are doing it. Sure. I, I teach a course to tell kids, teenagers especially, protect your digital identity and reputation. Because companies can go back and see all this stupid stuff that you did from college to this and that, and they will hold against you. And if you're black, I'm gonna to hold to you against you 2.5 times. Right? Because you're gonna be labeled as a predator or whatever else, right? You know, another thing, right? But when you have these things that you bring people into a safe environment doing a common action, that is a good time to, to, to do it. You'll find out you if you start to see people who are no longer in your Arena because of the stance that you took to say, Hey, man, we just got to do better. We want to listen. We want to talk more. You'll find them like, Well, we want to do that. And let them go. Let them go.
2: Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. They didn't like whatever social media messaging was on your on your uh, IG page. Let them go. Yeah. Because you don't want that type of energy around your business anyway. They're bringing the place down anyway. They bring
1: the place down. They are liability. They will, get you they, will, in they, will, they will get you in trouble.
2: They will get you in trouble. Well, and we'll go on record that that's exactly
0: the approach. At the end of the day, we've talked about we need to be all inclusive. We were talking about this before. To your point, this has reached a point where maybe we have this opportunity, we have this possibility for a watershed moment for something to change. But at the same time, if you have principles that have been in place for a long time as a person – as an organization like the Vibri that is owned by a black woman, like the plus truck that sees a black woman and a white woman cross the finish line together, a black man and his partner, another black man or a white owned business. If you have principles, this gives you the opportunity to live them. out, And it makes it a lot easier. quite frankly. For those who don't know what they stand for. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. How sad is it that they are going to bend to whatever public opinion they hear next? But they're listening right now. And we have an opportunity. They don't have those principles, perhaps. They're listening, but I'm watching. Okay? I'm watching. Because
1: I said it earlier in, in, in the video cast. Are you an ally? Or are you an opportunist? Because if you're an opportunist, you're going to get found out. If you say that you're, you know, we're not asking for a handout. We're not asking to do anything special. We're just asking on a level playing field and to be cognizant and, and have human dignity and respect. A lot of companies have reached out to black and then my board's me. But I warn you, don't be this person who wants to say I did something. Mm-hmm. Because I will follow you and say, this is the person that said they were going to do this. And the only thing they wanted to do was sign us up for their affiliate program.
2: And just to say that you were on the right side of history. Yeah. You do do that. For, right. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, well, we didn't. Yeah, no. If it's inauthentic, then I don't want it. Mm, you can keep yeah, that. You can keep it. I because that. you're still a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Because now you're trying to trick me. You're trying to control my intelligence and that will take me off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That, yeah. Just be genuine or do nothing. Yeah. Or,
2: yeah. Just do nothing. And then that way I know where you stand. then.
0: So let's go ahead. For everybody, and as we go into the last 10 minutes of this, for those of you who are online, certainly our panel would take questions. Feel free to jump in the chat box and drop it there if you have the confidence to come through the audio, know that you can hit your own mute button, come off of you, and we'd be happy to take your question. But I'm going to ask all of us to say this, but I'm going to do it publicly because guess what? The microphone's right in front of me. So I need to make a commitment, right? I don't know what it looks like. I'm going to make a series of commitments. There needs to be accountability. Ed, like you just said, there needs to be accountability. Don't insult my intelligence. And don't let your lead of
1: diversity, inclusion, and awareness not look like me. Aha, aha. At least have a co-chair, Aha! Uh-huh. because if you put someone else who doesn't represent the people that are being disenfranchised, all you did was appoint a new master. That
2: would be like having a skinny girl at the dress. Makes no sense. That makes no sense. Makes no sense.
1: Put some people yeah. in and just sit here and say, hey, I don't know what the good is, but I know what the bad is, we're not gonna do bad.
0: So let me ask you this. I'm just going to think yeah. out loud, right? I'm going to pretend we're in a strategic planning session at a big piece mm-hmm. running company as opposed to on a podcast. Mm-hmm. So we have black team members. Mm-hmm. What if we call them and we say, hey, listen, just want you to serve on an advisory role board, mm-hmm. call it a fancy term that whether it's corporate America or small businesses right. might get it, and speak into what we could be doing. Is that a step or is that hollow? That is a step. It is a step. And, and
1: appointing yeah. people yeah. in that committee and, and, and definitely appointing an African American woman in charge. That is the most disenfranchised mm-hmm. and disadvantaged individual. You're a woman
2: and you black. And then implement you it I I I I really not. But then also implement, it. right? Don't just have them there as your shiny new object, yeah. right? But implement whatever suggestions that they make. everything is not that. I mean, we'll, we'll throw things at the dartboard, but if they do come up with something that's really great. Implement it and then share and say, Hey, this person came up with this. That's to not say, Oh, this was our grand idea as a collective. No, it's okay to highlight and say, Hey, Joy came up with this, or Lisa or Courtney came up with this idea, so that people can see that this organization really is about doing the work. They're not just talking about it, they're also doing the walking
1: as well. And, well, and, they, and if you find that you've already been doing that, you'll find that the, the, the pivot won't be that much. If you're already operating, you'll be. Like that, but if you know that you haven't been doing right, it's gonna look like this. Can mm, so that fear make you go back here?
0: That's a good so let me ask you this: in terms of making, you know, public commitments, time is the enemy. It seems like of every entrepreneur. and Everybody here can appreciate that. Perhaps every person, parent, neighbor, whatever, whatever role, time is the enemy. Oftentimes, maybe it's just the excuse in many instances, but nonetheless, time becomes a challenge. Hmm? Could I enlist one or all of you? Yes, that means you, Courtney. To help me say, okay, I'm going to bring a crew together. These are people who are dear to me. They're part of the big peach running company team. Our core value, our number one core value, our best business asset is our team. That's every single person. doesn't matter how long they've been with us. doesn't matter, black, white, whatever it might be. They are part of our best business asset. But for me to open a meeting and say, I want to be a better organization, especially for those who are black, seems a little bit strange. But if I say, I've okay, got people who I just know would know what that looks like. Does it make sense to enlist others who have that frame of reference? Or do you think right. I could take it on on my
1: own? You, you you need a board. I mean, that's why you have companies that have a board of advisors. Yep. And, and, and the advisorship, that's the only people. The advisorship doesn't mean they're going to do what I say. It, right. Sounds but clear. they will listen. They will go on the record. We, we took your advice, and that's not the way we pivot because we can look a little bit longer. Because if you start to pivot too much toward any social economic group, you still want to find yourself in trouble, right? Because that's what's happening now. We're so much into this. Everything seems disingenuous when you really want to go out and do good. So it has to be sustained. And, and longevity is sort of in line to legitimacy, both good and bad. When you believe that you've been doing something for so long, you believe a lie. There, Who said it? Secretary of Defense? or There is no systemic racism in the United States. What United States do you living in? Right. Well, there's no systemic racism in our police force across the nation. Okay. I, 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 I don't get it. How can you not see this? And I think that sometimes we're, we've had all these conversations, but when you go back to it at the very beginning, you want to fix it. Fix bigotry, fix discrimination, fix racism. That's the common denominator, but nobody wants to take
2: on a hard problem. Make it hurt. Make it hurt. And that's what I was gonna say. Sometimes you can make us mal, but sometimes you gotta be radical. Sometimes you just gotta jump out there. So I think there is goodness to what he's saying, but now Juneteenth is a, is a national holiday. When on God's green earth did black people ever think that June 19th will be considered a national holiday? That was a radical move. Virginia has just made this a, a, a paid holiday for people mm-hmm. in that Commonwealth. You could have told me this last week. You could have told me this in December. That was a radical move. Sometimes you got to do it because people need to see. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to shake it up. Got to make it hurt. Sometimes you got to make it hurt. Got to make it hurt. Yeah. Everything
1: I've ever learned, yeah. most of it because it hurt. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> it hurts. True. You know,
0: everything. You're drinking too much, everything. Yeah. It hurts. So, along those lines, the questions I had, I'm going to ask, and I'll start with you, Joy, and obviously I'm going to come to all of our panelists a year from today. You just mentioned, sometimes you got to be radical. A year from today, in the fitness industry, for the recreational athlete, is it gonna be significantly better? Nominally better? Are things gonna be the same? And if your answer is it's gonna be better at all, why or what must be done? Incrementally better. Incrementally better. And how do we make sure at least it's incrementally better? Is there anything that you would say a year from now, recreational athletics for those of us who enjoy it and are part of it. Mm-hmm. What do we need to make sure that we don't at least don't fail at being incrementally better.
2: Continue to have these conversations.
0: Okay. Right? Continue. Don't to, let it fall yeah,
2: Don't let it first. don't let it be a moment in time. Don't let it be a social media blurb or or a campaign or just a moment. Right? Have these ongoing conversations so that people know that this we mean this. We're not just saying this, but we mean it. So keep the conversation going whatever that looks like, right? If it's, if it's a 59 second something on social media, if it's something that you're doing inside of the big beach running, you know, stores, I mean, something to where people know they didn't just do this because it was a hot topic at a moment, yep. but they really wanna make sure that this is implemented and a part of the culture, a part of your culture that you mean this.
0: Well, and we said at the onset how when these invitations first went out, we had no idea with Mr. Brooks that that was gonna be, right? But it'd be just as easy to not have and gosh, I know all of us are. No more headlines, But to let the conversation go away. So let me ask you, Courtney, a year from now, will we be better? Recreational athletes who are coming into your studios and perhaps are coming into our stores, will we be better?
3: Um, yeah, I definitely think there will be um... – you'll see better changes in an incremental fashion. And I think one of the big reasons is transparency. I feel like we've seen a lot more transparency in people's personal lives with social media. And I feel like this movement has forced businesses to be more transparent. Where I feel like a lot of people's missions and so for you like maybe like your your personal beliefs or even like the the business's culture that has been diversity and inclusive that's always kind of been known. It's sort of um But it's. I feel like now it's being for a lot of businesses, certainly for our business included. It's something that we try to lead more with. And you make your ideas known and you take a stand and people are being more vocal. So I think it's really important to be more transparent. And that will, in turn, make the athletes who frequent your businesses more comfortable. And also you'll get a reputation. This is a safe space for us. This is where we feel comfortable. And in that same vein, you were speaking earlier about, you know, putting people who are on your team and who have been in your team in a position to create an action plan for change. So I think, you know, making sure that you're transparent about that. This is what we're doing. We're in this process. We know it's an ongoing process. It's a moving target, but this is what we've come up with and getting feedback, inviting, you know, your your clients and people on your team to lead that process and to be a part of it is really helpful. And one thing that's really important in that same vein, which is why it's important, I think, and good that the culture is already there is because that takes a lot of time and energy and oftentimes in organizations when there needs to be a response or there needs to be like a movement or a task force with respect to diversity, oftentimes Black people are tasked with doing this without any type of recognition of the work. And I mean that in the sense is that you do this on top of your regular job. And so it just kind of this is something else I have to do after I work, you know, nine to five. So I think, you know, bringing that in as this is your job, you know, as part of your duties, you know, when we recognize it as such and, you know, base your promotion and compensation based on this thing that's important to our business. That's something that I think, you know, that's important for small businesses to do and let, you know, let your clients know that we have positions where people are a part of our team and as part of their their everyday job duties is to make this place more comfortable for you. So that's why I feel like with this added transparency and being really thoughtful about the process, I'm definitely looking forward to some good changes in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. I am putting down some of these terms as we close. I'll mention them once again, before we do that, Ed, I want to ask you the same question. And that is a year from now and some of the things that, gosh, I hope even we can hold each other accountable for, but do you believe there will be improvement? Do you believe that things will look, maybe feel not just different, but better? I'll go with Joey on this one, incrementally.
1: Incrementally. I think that uh, voices like yourself, that there are congregation points, need to be the, the, the catalysts there isn't an onus for me being one of the co-founders of Black Men and Run, are communicating that mission to my members, supporters, and constituents, right? It's also, the, it's also that if you are going to be one of these supporters, you're going to be one of these allies. You can't always do it through me. I don't need to be the front man. You don't need to be in the lead, but you need to be here so that people understand that I am an ally and I'm somewhere with this. And then your actions need to be deliberate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That when you walk into the store, that the openness and the level set and fair play is exhibited by, I'm not just looking at all the same people that look the, the same, diversity and, and, and your leadership team, your advisory team and things that you do. And so, and, and, and so that your name is communicated back into the community by individuals that that community trusts. But you can't always use a mouthpiece. You have to be your own mouthpiece and be out there. And force that integration. If they're coming into your facility, your establishment, you don't have to shove it down their throat. But this should be a welcoming place for everybody. Right? So that all are included. Right? So partner responsibly, partner with a sense of uh, being genuine, right? You know, get yourself out in the echo chamber. And, and, and get someone who will give you the hard answers. All right. Sometimes the hard answer. God, I'm ex military. I've been told no and I asked the reason why because I said so. You know, like, oh sounds good That's to me. Ex-military. That's ex military. That's growing up, black too. Grown up black, <laughs> black. too. And so get it and, and, and this is not an immersion course. This is not for you to go jump into the black culture, but you know, next thing I come over here dressed in all type of garb and doing all this other stuff. It's, <laughs> That's because that's not how I know you. Right. I know you for being a person that says, hey, you know, when you see me, understand that not everyone is myself, Courtney, Joy. I'll say it in a manner that's probably not PC. That's true. I'm not one of the good ones, I'm not exceptional. I just so happen to circumstances put me in a place that allows me to interact mm-hmm. with you. But think about those who are as talented, smarter. And, but never had the opportunity. So, so I think a lot of times white Americans see that when they do have these peers or black people that they know we wanted the ones. that everybody had a chance and they chose not to, but you did. That's so true. I made a choice of I grew up in Perry Homes, which was one of the worst projects in Atlanta. I made the distinction of being one of the first arrests made by Red Dog, the drug task force back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But that place now has houses starting at $350,000. It's just crazy to see how these things are happening. But I don't want to be looked at upon, see if he made it or she made it, she made it, you can make it. You don't know my history, because you didn't ask. And if you are, or you do ask, I'll tell you. And then one other last thing, I'll close with this. Not every time you talk to someone that's a person of color, you're going to get bad news. We're not going to sit here and say, oh my god, I hate America. What? That is not the conversation that you're always going to have. So don't be reluctant to have that conversation. Right. I think one of the best comedy shows I, I heard was someone asked you, how are you doing? You go, oh, OK. I heard <laughs> this comedy show. They said, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely terrible. Thank you for asking. I don't hardly talk to about 50% of my neighbors in my neighborhood. You know the reason why. It's all the well world is looting. What is that going to solve? I said, I know, right? We should just peaceful protest. Let all the evidence come out. Let it play. let everybody. See? That's what I'm talking about. I looked at him. Is that right? Then they want to go with Martin Luther King. Is that right? Here's Kennedy. Ask both of them how they turned out for him. I
2: was gonna say they shot him too. Ask them
1: how they turned out for him. They shot
2: him too. With
1: the peace. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to hear the logical peaceful alternative. They want the the, they they want the controversy, and they and they will do it brutally. But I do say back to the original question. Incrementally. I'm naturally a cynic, but I won't be this way. But I would hope that whenever there's an opportunity to bring different perspectives and all this other stuff, allow people to be able to do this. We we don't facilitate that. You you didn't get your ass out. It's not going to get easier. I'm not a virologist. As Dr. Fauci said, the virus controls the timeline. This is not over. So it's going to create another sense of divide and stuff that we're going to have to deal with. That may derail the ability to get this stuff done. This this is coming back. It may not come back in a manner that that seems catastrophic because I think we're prepared. But nonetheless, knowing that you're going to pull the scab out and that'll make it you you know that's coming back. But it's a multifaceted type of discussion and mindset. But just do the right thing. Let the word about you doing the right thing get out, and you'll see. Black people are some of the most accepting people in the world. In the world. In the world. For forgiving. Loving. Oh my God! You can yeah. bring anybody to the family reunion. You
2: can't. Don't that jacket, Yeah. It's true. That's just that's, that's how we are. You know, just, even with dealing with all that we deal with, we still are those. That's people. how it is. Yeah. Travel the world, you'll see. Travel
1: to different countries, and Western Western. absolutely none of the language. Get around.
0: It's true. Folks take care of it. DT, you said before we put this together that we would need to do this in more than one installment. And now we know you were once again right about that. <laughs> not only are we on time for this evening, I think all of our featured panelists have told us that this needs to be an ongoing conversation. It's not just like the Olympic trials that we covered earlier this year, where it's mm-hmm. after that has come, it's largely gone. This has come. But thankfully, it's not going to go. So we must continue to have the conversation. As we wrap this evening, certainly I want to thank everyone for having made some time for us. What I will say as we close is the most important thing I do believe, and it was part of why I felt like this would be a good use of our time. Have the conversations. My goodness, that came out loud and clear that this is a place to start. It's not all the answers. As Ed reminded us, it is very complex. It is not going to get solved overnight, but you have to have the conversations. Pick up that phone and call someone who you can converse with. Transparency, my goodness, how important is that? That seems to be the unexpected word of the podcast. I've heard it more than once just recently. We know it matters. Be transparent. And the other word that I just love so much, my goodness, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful in what you do, but then ultimately act on. My belief is Big Peach Running Company will be thoughtful. You've given me things to act on. And what I'll say to all of you, Courtney, obviously not here in person. Both of you, thank you for being such a friend to me, to our organization. More importantly, thank you for being such a friend to this community, to Atlanta, to our country. But more importantly, all of you, thank you. Courtney, I know you're not here where we can have this collective, socially distant talk, <laughs> but thank you for what you seriously have done and are doing
3: for humanity. Thank this you for you your human support
0: for this. It is so cool to be around y'all. I love you guys. Thank and you. And you for part Thank of you for You guys are awesome. Since we didn't do it during, I'm going to see if These guys will perhaps have a post on ale with me before they leave. But for time being, as we always say, as we certainly mean, as we know now more than ever, may your best models be those covered on the
2: So long. Mm-hmm.